Hey, damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Hey, you damn guys. What's up? What's up? Yeah, this is our book club podcast. We're reading comics. We're talking to our friends. And now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. You were already laughing before I said anything. You guys <laughs> just started a podcast with what's up, what's up? <laughs> so. Hey, guys. It's your boy, John, here. Ready to talk comics. Give a like and subscribe. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> Sorry, well, you said something to me that I didn't hear. What no, I said that is now it's time for you to tell us all about it. <laughs> we're we gonna go. we're gonna tell you what we're gonna read, and then you're gonna read it, and we're gonna read it, and we're gonna talk about it, and you're gonna listen to us talking about it, and then and you're gonna you're gonna talk about what we talked about when we were talking about what we read, and that's a hey damn guys, you email us or you send us a message on social media, <laughs> and then we're gonna talk about what you talked about when we were talking about. What we read, and that's a book club, and that's friendship. Back to you, John. Nice. Yes. Very thank nice. You. Um, social media is very worthy of the spooky. Spooky media. <laughs> spooky, it's gross. Yes, of the impending doom. Yes, thank you. We got some shouts outs for this week. Shouts outs. Shouts outs. Oh, I want to give a mega shout out to oh, Hope Larson and Rebecca out. Mock. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Book club members official. Yes. Um, yeah, they were so kind to share some time with us last week on our interview so i hope that you guys enjoyed that that's great um really great and it was uh i was so thankful to be able to talk to them they were just so nice and generous with their time yes it was really good yeah yeah so i hope you guys enjoyed that episode and make sure to check out the show links on that episode because i've got links to all their stuff and then also the local bookstore that hope larson shouted out where you should go order salt magic if you haven't already excellent you had a shout out, didn't you, Aubrey? Oh, yeah. Yes, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Janelle Loveless. Oh, Janelle, Janelle Loveless, book club member, yeah. and my sister-in-law. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Janelle's been like uh, listening to us since the beginning, and she like texts me all the time. And oh, so, really? Uh, so she was texting me like just uh, earlier this week about she's like, oh man, I really like you guys talking about the candy. She is a uh, a weakness for root beer barrels and butterscotch disc. Nice. Oh, right yes, I like both Old of those. Old school. Yes, I like both of those. Old they, people candy. They Love used it. to make fun of me when I. I was in in, in grade school because I liked the old man candy. Those the, are great. The Werther's originals. Yeah, old man's those, candies those, are great. Those are my favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right on. Very yeah. good. Awesome. Thank you, Janelle. It's great to hear from you. I used to like those uh, those like little strawberry candies that come in those little strawberries. Oh yeah, oh, those yeah. are a classic. One those of those are, old those people hard candies. People candies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used yeah. to have um, this one relative i can't remember what he was like an old guy he might not have actually been related but he was at church he gave us um coffee candy oh yeah he gave yeah, you yeah. coffee candy yeah like, like he, he always had it in his pocket he'd always he give gave, the key. he's giving children coffee candy coffee flavored <laughs> candy yes so sugar and caffeine to children <laughs> yes very good excellent Great. shout out shout out to that guy awesome oh if, i just that unlocked a, a childhood memory of my grandmother giving me what she called coffee milk Mm. Well, everyone was having coffee. She would give me coffee with just a lot of milk in it. <laughs> so, just giving me caffeine in the middle of the day. Yeah, there you like, go. She liked to walk on the fucking wild side, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that's how all. Uh, that's how all of us grew up on the caffeine and sugar all day. We yeah. sure did. Pretty that's much. how we thrived. All right, excellent. is that what you call it? Is that the word? <laughs> is that a, we were thriving? We definitely were. We felt like we were. All right, and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. Listener. Feedback. Yes. Get out, trades and floppies. Get out, hardback copies. Digital is fine. Read along in time. Get we got a Hey You Damn Guys from Efrain Navarro. 
Jeffrey Navarro. Book club member. Yeah, we haven't heard from him in a long time. He used to write to us on the Hellboy Book Club all the time. The hell- so- what was that, John? He, where he would write to us where? On the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Hellboy Book Club podcast, you say? What's that's that? our other podcast. Yeah, so thank John's going to for... tell you what it's all about. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> that's our other podcast that we've been doing. We've got um, over 150 episodes, including our latest episode is an interview with Lawrence Campbell and Rob Williams talking about their latest no series shit. in the Hellboy stuff. Yeah, sort of hyper- Hyperborea, we learned it's called, um, <laughs> in that interview, Crucial Nuggets. So anyway, um, yeah, check out that channel. I'll link in the show notes. We've got over 150 episodes. If you're just getting into Hellboy comics or you've ever wanted to, you can literally listen to every single show and it will guide you through every single comic, yes. every single story that you need to read piece by piece. Yeah, it's been a really fun project and we're hoping to return to it soon, especially now that a lot of the stuff is being released again. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the solicitations, we're getting a lot more omnibuses, we're getting a lot more collected editions, so that's more content for us to have on that show. Content. Yeah, content. That's uh, more episodes for us to do on that show. If you've ever, so. If you've ever thought about I heard of Hellboy, I, I but I just I don't know if I can get into it without some friends to read along with yeah, me. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. That's for you. Yes, yes. So yeah, thank you for that segue, Danielle. Um, but back to Efren's. Uh, oh yeah, what yes. he has to say. Back to his. Hey, you damn guys! He said, "What you've been doing a new book for months? I didn't even know about it. Furthermore, you are reading Dan Slot Silver Surfer, and I had to hear it from the man himself on Twitter. Yeah, because he shared us on there. Oh wow! I've fallen behind on my Hellboy reads, so I'm saving all those episodes for when I catch up. That explains how I miss calling in on the new incarnation of the book club. I spent last week re- listening to the Silver Surfer episodes on my commutes, and I'm finally up to date with those." This run is one of my favorite comics ever. I picked the singles and couldn't resist getting the omnibus also. I love The Surfer and Al Red and Doctor Who, so it ticks all the right boxes for me. It made me laugh and cry. Just great comics. I loved your discussion about issue 11. I have some personal side notes regarding the Gerard Expanse. You mentioned it was a reference to a French military man. I always read it as a reference to the French artist writer Jean Gerard, better known as Mobius. That makes more sense. That is, and I totally missed that. And I also want to apologize to Ross Radke, book club member, book club member. Yeah, because Ross texted me this a couple days ago. Uh, He was like, "Hey, I think that that's a reference to Mobius." But like, (laughs) how everyone caught the reference to Mobius, and we were all just like, (laughs) Um, I like researched into some obscure thing on Wikipedia when it was like very obvious. Mobius, we didn't catch it. Um, An artist we all fucking love, but uh, but <laughs> I Ross, had, I know that. it's it's nuts. It's it's, I feel so stupid. But Ross texted it to me. But when I'm getting the listener feedback together, I don't check my text messages. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like so sometimes when it's close people and they just text me stuff, like I don't, it doesn't our, make it yeah. into the episode because it's just like my personal conversations with them. Right. And I was like, dang it, I forgot to mention it that Ross told me this a couple weeks back. So Ross officially shouted this out to me Poor first. Ross has always given us stuff but like th- that. And we just never... <laughs> but thank you uh, for pointing that out also. We have several book club members yes. pointing this out, so I think we have to say something about it. Um, he said the attackers are like the Mobius creature in the Arzak comics. See image attached. So I'll post a side-by-side awesome. comparison. Thank you for catching that detail. Um, he said that would also explain all the French in the dialogue. Yes. <laughs> um, also Mobius strip and Mobius. Yes. 
I mean, we're so, so it's stupid. Definitely <laughs> obvious, and we missed just a very large portion yeah. of this story. Yes, it, well, but it makes it even better to think about and to revisit. It's just Shoot. not going to be in that episode. It's just not going <laughs> to be in there, and everyone that listens to that episode is going to be like, "It's Mobius, you fucking morons!" I should, uh, maybe I'll go, I'll go cut it in and re-upload. It, by it or the way, like by yeah. the way, let me listen to the listener feedback. I'll try to make them listen to another episode. No, we got to put it in there. We got to be like, uh. by the way, yes, we realize that we're. Fucking dumb. It's Mobius. To be fair, I don't think I knew what Mobius's real name was. I'm, oh, okay. Jean Gerard. Yeah. I knew it, but like no one ever calls him that. Yeah, his know. name is Mobius. So I just, you know, it's something you know and then forget because his name is Mobius. I mean, I think I heard it, but. Right. Like you say, you know, yeah. then you forget, you know. Um, he also said, it would never have occurred to me that you would read the bottom half of each page and then turn it around and read the other half. He just he said I just followed it the whole strip until it turned on itself and that's what yeah, you did also. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. He said I'm going to give this other method a try the next time I reread it. I like what Mark said about that is that even if you're not flipping it over and reading both sides, you're still getting a sense still of what's aware happening. Of that yeah, thing it, it, when you're reading the printed yeah. version, you're you're aware that it's happening, and so. I, I I like that that even you're still absorbing that there's another thing happening. Yes, you yes, yeah. you're visually yeah. seeing it on the page. He also said, "I always thought that the Never Queen gives you instructions when she says it starts at the end, ends where it starts, and it's one and only twist in the middle. Mm. So she's telling you like how to read. She literally it. Yeah. told you how to do it." Um, he said, I haven't read Baltimore yet, and I've only read the first dozen Invincible issues, so I'll have to listen to those episodes later, but I will assist to all Silver Surfer book club sessions. Oh, nice. Happy to renew my book club membership. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah, that was really great. And as for Invincible, we've only done like the first 12 issues, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, you should be able to get those. Um, yeah, but I like that, that he's like, oh, I'm going to listen to all these. And then I like that you could pick and choose. You, know, yeah. you could look at our catalog and kind of just pick around. So we also heard from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. Yes. Christopher, he was talking about our Baltimore episode that we did last time with Wes. We talked about this artist, Beck Zinsky. He was an inspiration on Ben Stenbeck for those weird bone. Right, right. Yeah. The limbo buildings and everything that we saw in there. And Christopher said, I'm a huge fan of this artist's work, for, and I have been for many years. I had I, actually seen that artist's work. Yeah. Had forgotten that I'd seen it. And then when you showed me that, I was like, I remember yeah. this guy. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I went back and re like looked at a bunch of his stuff again and was transported back to... When I, it's just really super creepy. Yes, it is. Nice. Um, Christopher said, I love his stuff so much, it makes me feel wonderfully awful. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to it describe is, it. Yes. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, Rebecca Mock retweeted us. Rebecca Mock. So nice. Book club member. Yes, club member. an amazing artist. She said, uh, this was so much fun. Hope and I had a deep discussion about our book with the wonderful host of this great podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Oh, there you thank go. you. There you nice. go. Thank you so much. They were both amazing. So Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being on here. All right. Um, and before we go to our book club episode of the week, I feel like we couldn't really go on with this episode without talking about Tim Sale. Yeah. Um, you know, because that just happened and like Jeez. that was very sudden, you know what I mean? Aubrey and I were talking about like there was like the post right. that was like, oh, Tim Sales in the hospital and it's pretty bad. You hope he's going to yeah. be okay. And then Terrible. like two days later, the Tim Sales passed away. Terrible. Uh, so, so I mean, it's just awful. He's so young. He, he really was. So young. And, yeah. and uh, you know, like just his contribution at, at this mean, point in his career that he had made to comics is just like we were Aubrey and I were talking about it and we yeah. were like and by it, all accounts a wonderful person in yeah general. yeah just 
Yeah. All, all the all the artists have been coming out and saying like really touching and wonderful things about him. Everybody yeah. that worked with him, uh, it's really heartbreaking. And I don't know. It's just like it's been a bad yeah. year for comics yeah, artists this year, right? And like for us as as uh, fans of all this work, and but this one like really hurt because it seemed like so sudden. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. And of course, I, we're thinking of his family and friends yeah, and loved ones yeah, and everything. Yeah. And so you know, just yeah, just I mean, some appreciating Tim's sale. Yeah, so Today. Aubrey and I were, I thought this would be fun to talk about a little bit, because Aubrey and I were talking about, like, what was the first Tim sale that we could remember? And I was trying to, like, struggle if it was, like, his Batman stuff, or it was, like, Daredevil Yellow. I think it was Daredevil mm-hmm. Yellow was probably the first one. And, like, I picked all, I had all the single issues for those, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back and get um, the Batman stuff until later. But I do think my favorite stuff is probably the Haunted Night, Long Halloween, Dark mm-hmm. Victory. Yeah. That trilogy is, like, a masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, that is just, like the best stuff ever i love um, all that so, stuff yeah. i love this batman stuff and daredevil stuff but i've i've talked about this before i love spider-man blue yeah oh, Spider-Man so Blue. So was that the first one that you read maybe um maybe yeah. i don't know maybe it was yeah i remember yeah. when we first got together you were like oh you haven't read spider-man blue are I you crazy you, you haven't read, read this yeah. so yeah are you serious you haven't read this so anyway um yeah. that's an incredible one too uh thank you for introducing me to that one there mm-hmm. there you go that's our that, that's our personal book club what about you aubrey personal uh, book club. honestly like i was talking like what i was saying to you earlier is just like i couldn't remember if it was daredevil yellow or the long halloween that i got first but i got them both around the same time right right um but then, then i just remember like you know his artwork was just so good and it just pops up everywhere and um uh you that's remember so- he did the artwork in uh, the first season of heroes Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was really cool. The only season of heroes, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what I meant. One thing, um, if you go back to the Hellboy book club, oh, and I don't, I don't know the episode number. I'll put it in the show notes. How dare um, you? But we did. Uh, there was a weird uh, Gal Dinar story yeah. where he encounters like a, um, a like a almost like a Strobel caveman guy or something like that, yeah. and like it's just a really short yeah. kind of creepy story in the snow and it's got goldenar and it was like that's a really cool one man tim sale yeah um he did some great covers also for some of the hellboy stuff excellent um in the the drawing monsters the kickstarter for the mignola documentary yes you know one of the things that we're getting is uh tim sale did a print for that Mm. so like like stuff is still coming out brennan uh brennan wagner who does some of the art for the new hellboy comics he was sharing that uh there was a Kickstarter for a mo- a Dune movie graphic novel, and I'm kicking myself I didn't order this because the cover is by Tim oh, Sale, oh, and uh, and it's like amazing. Oh, so wow. like uh, this cover, uh, I'll share it on our social I didn't media. Even hear about this. You should. I just saw this today. Jeez. But like, uh, he's still putting out stuff. Is still going to come out that is blowing. I would have ordered minds. that immediately. If you I know had what I mean? That like, like he still Jeez. is going to have stuff coming out that people. Are going to enjoy the Kickstarter is long over, so I mean, I I I imagine that when that comes out and it hits the secondary market, it's going to be a lot. Yeah, I don't know, you know what I mean. But this cover, let me just see if I can. Sorry, Um, I follow Brennan Wagner um, on Facebook, and he uh, was he's a colorist as well. He's an artist and a colorist, and so he was talking about Tim Sale, and he was like, "Wow, I can't believe that." We're still going to get like some yeah. awesome stuff from him. Um, 
Well, it's been. He was uh, just until the end. He was just yeah. knocking it out. Look Golly. at this. Oh wow! Jeez! Look at that mural. That's incredible. Behind him, man! Wow, that is so amazing. amazing. Yeah. So I mean, this is. I think this is going to be his last published work. Yeah, wow. You know. Really so, incredible. Anyway, um, and the colorist on that, amazing as well. Yeah. Is yeah. That? So I don't know who the colorist is on this. It's been um, a. Uh, it's been a really rough year for. Yeah. Um, comics creators going way too soon. Go back and enjoy some Tim Sale. Go you back know, and enjoy some Tim Sale. Uh, and... Bust out your trades and your floppies. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Get on the get on the apps or whatever. And uh, if you've never read some of that stuff, I I highly recommend it. I mean, it, like I said, that Batman stuff. If if you haven't read that trilogy, it's really really good. Oh yeah, that that Batman stuff is some of the best Batman comics out there. Yeah. Um, and then is Daredevil and Spider uh, Yellow and Spider Man Blue? That was also really good. I well, guess. and you can also uh, check out his original stuff as well. It's not from the big two or whatever. Some some of his indie stuff. Some maybe stuff that you haven't been exposed to yet. Yes. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So we're about to get into this comic book. Um, I just want to say that there are depictions of self harm in this book that are pretty graphic. You know, um, that issue does come up as a result of some of the characters in this book and. You know, I just want to make sure that we're letting you guys know before we get into it's it. It's very graphic. If you're not ready to see that or tackle that, then just we're trying to be, you know, sensitive to people who maybe don't want to grapple with that right now. Yeah, there is a lot of good stuff to enjoy in this book, and we are enjoying it. But we also want to let our listeners know that this is yes. also a part of it too. So if you're not ready for that, or just you know, content warning. So talk of people ending yeah. themselves. Yes, and exactly. Like that. It's not exactly. Good. So anyway, um, thank you guys. Now we're gonna go on to our book club episode for the week. And this week, we're talking about Enigma. I guess it, it it is Pride Month, you know, and it's not that it has to be Pride Month to talk about something that's non-hetero. Well, you, the, way that, the way that you presented it to me, you were like, oh, we're going to read Enigma. And you were like, oh, and I guess it's Pride Month. So that's a coincidence. And, yeah. Okay, cool. And so yeah. that was, you kind of like remembered on the spot that it was Pride Month. Well, it was something yeah. that I've always wanted to read, and I just ordered this definitive edition, and I've been looking at it on my bookshelf. It's this beautiful, hardbound, um, oversized book. It's got this really nice, white, striking cover on it. Yeah. I know that it's Duncan Fregredo, and obviously we're fans of Duncan Fregredo from the Fregredo. Hellboy comics. So, like, I've always wanted to check this out, and then, um, you know, reading about it on Google, you know, as I'm doing my show notes, I'm like, oh, well, I guess a lot of people are saying that this is one of the first comics to use... Um, you know, like a gay character, one of the first like major ones for the big Was two. Was it really? Yeah. Um, so the, Aubrey and I were oh. talking about this. This is from 93. Yeah. This is 29 years old, almost to the date. Um, issue four came out in June of 93. So oh, wow. it's almost 30 years old. And I, I think that, you know, we will talk about the context because there is, you know, it is aged. You know what I mean? Sure, right. Um, there there are some stuff in there that maybe modern audiences might be like you can reflect, you know, on, yes. on some of that. The forward of it is is very. Yeah. Telling. So the, oh. the, the, let's talk about this a little bit because it's written by Peter Milligan. Yes. Um, and Peter last Milligan. Last year it was written last year. Oh, the forward is written by yeah. Peter Milligan. Yes. Uh, but it's he's also the writer of the series. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like. Oh, I thought that we were on the same page. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but yes. Literally on the same page but like i don't know if this is okay to say on the show like peter milligan like i've read a, a, a couple of his of his things sure. you know and he incorporates a lot of non-binary characters in his art and so Why i want that not be okay to say well that? i i because I, I, I wondered like is 
is Peter Milligan non-binary? Like I've thought maybe I should look this up because sure, if we're right. going to be talking about of course, we somebody, be referring to you know, and, 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 uh, but I, I couldn't really tell, I, d- I didn't really find that kind of information okay. out there, but it did talk about like, he might just appreciate well, non-binary and, peeps. Well, and I found an interview with comic watch and I'll actually link it in the show notes where <clears throat> somebody asked him about this. They said, you often have characters that are like, exploring a new identity or they're gaining a new life or they're gaining a new body or something is happening you know he did change uh, shade the changely man who like changes gender and you know in ecstatics there was uh, some non-binary characters that he wrote in there that i enjoyed and somebody pointed this out to him in an interview and he was like oh that never occurred to me really do i do write a lot of characters like that so it was kind of like i don't know well and the forward is similar to that because the forward is literally a straight man walks into a gay bar. No, this isn't the beginning of a worn out joke. This is serious. It's not ho- it's not a homophobic joke. <clears throat> this is my life. Like a straight man walks into a gay bar and it's it's it excites him and it confuses him. Right. And uh, all this stuff. And he goes, I was also a straight man walking into a gay bar while researching the comic book that became Enigma, trying to get to know how Michael feels. Yeah, so he, he talks in the forward, and right. I, I didn't read all the forward because they even tell you, if you haven't read the whole book, stop reading at this point. Yeah, but, yeah. exactly. So I didn't but he, read he, whole he does either. talk about the, the editor had just come out to him as being gay. Right. And he said that that was very inspirational for him, and it was an inspiration for him to write this comic. And, you know, when he assisted him on I like how he says, like, he was like guiding me through the underworld, but then I realized this is not an underworld. These people it's are not, not they're not devils. No. They're just like regular people. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I thought that was interesting. So it, uh, like we said, written by Peter Milligan, art by Duncan Fagredo. The colorist is Sherilyn Van Valkenburg, and the letterist is John Costanza. And it's an eight-issue series. Today we're going to read issues one through four. We had been talking about Duncan Fagredo. Um, this this whole time and I wanted to kind of mention this other thing from the forward Duncan's beautiful dangerous erotic images of Enigma his rendering of the comic book characters the truth the head envelope girl etc the way he captured Michael's journey from confused young man to a less confused young man (laughs) all of this played a big part in whatever success the book enjoyed there's a story about Duncan's art here we go he would be the first to agree that his style changed a little as the series went on He was relatively inexperienced when we started, and as the pages went by, he simply got better. His line became more sure, his characterization more confident. I was asked about this at a comic convention panel at the Enigma team, attended once, and made something up on the spot. I said the change in Duncan's art was a deliberate narrative device. Uh, As Michael Smith became clearer about who he was, more confident in his own feelings and perceptions, the artwork reflected this. It was a good, albeit less than strictly true answer. It made perfect sense. I was uh, sharing another panel with Duncan a short time later and heard him repeat the story. I think he now believed it. Fiction becomes reality. I thought, what better metaphor for Enigma? And uh, I think that's amazing because... Wow, yeah. yeah. But it's partially true because... How, well, how do we know it's not true? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because like, in, yeah. if you're an artist and you start on a book and then you finish a book and you look at it and your art style changes throughout the book... What if your understanding of the story becomes more sure and more confident? And so your understanding of the story, and it's literally a story about a guy whose understanding of the world becomes clear, yeah. and his understanding of the world is shaping that world as he's going yeah. along in the story, and it's shaping another story. Right. So that's and- kind of extraordinarily meta, because you've got Duncan Fregredo, a comic book artist who's like absolutely sure that this is actually occurring, and then the writer of the story saying... I don't know. I thought I made that up. Right. And then they're together creating this thing about two guys yes. who are thought they made a thing up. <laughs> and then it just keeps going down. It like 
it's just all the way down. Like it's a fractal well, and to take reality. It a, to take it a step further, you know, yeah. we're talking about the Hellboy book club. Mignola often says like where the story takes it. Yes. Or the story started and then the, the and then I was going to write this, but then the story took it in this other yeah, way. Absolutely. And it's yeah. like, how do we know that it wasn't an organic thing that happened sure. through the art? You know I what I mean? That. So maybe yeah, maybe Duncan retro- Fregredo didn't understand that that's what was happening, but then when he heard him say that, he realized, oh, that is what happened. Or like yes, or like um, subconsciously, subconsciously yeah, sure. exactly, exactly. So yeah. I I don't think that's necessarily I love that. yeah, that's great. made up at all. I think that that could definitely be. Sometimes things happen out of order. Right, that's yeah. okay. Synchronicity. Why not? Very good. I love it. Anyway, I just thought it was so apropos because yeah. of the nature of the story is so weird. And it just felt like like just a yeah. a concurrent synchronicity sure. kind of like meta that. thing that was happening. It's just very weird and I love it. Yeah, no, I really like the art in this book. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, it's very loosey-goosey. Yeah, it, it was like I was telling John, okay, so first off, I didn't realize this was made thir- almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fairly recent, and so I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, the art is so different than his Hellboy stuff, but it's just like so cool. But I mean, like this early, like these first four issues, it really gives me a feeling mm-hmm. of the artist who did the artwork in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, um, Ralph Steadman. Oh, yeah, okay. we were talking about that. That yeah. whole loosey, I like it. Loose, yeah. Looseness to it and all that and i mean i think it's wonderful yeah yeah so chapter one is called the lizard the head the enigma so we get these awesome covers they kind of do this thing where it's kind of um superimposed you get to see like i think this is looks like the color plate or something like that for the art or like the proof well, i think this is like the sketch of it oh okay yeah you're right they sketched that's what a it comic is book cover. and then we get like the full um, without any of the text on it, which I really like. That's that's so nice to yeah, be able to see I the, love it when they do the, that. the cover like that. So uh, they gotta cram all that shit in there. I know, yeah. And you know, when you're, I don't know. I I feel like, obviously, if you're a super experienced comic book artist and you know, you gotta like, okay, I gotta make sure there's room for right, the yeah. the title and the thing they're gonna put superimpose everything, all this other crap on it. But like. If you're, I'm sure that you wish that you could just do the composition the way that you'd like to do it without having to worry about all that. But I think that it's just, it's like you said, it's really cool to be able to see that piece. Right. Yeah. Unencumbered by any of that other bullshit. Exactly. So we opened 25 years ago on a farm in Arizona. There's this narration boxes throughout the thing, and it says, It was an ordinary sort of farm in Arizona, the kind of place where you'd have sexual relations with your parents and end up shooting someone. Gross. <laughs> so that kind of like gives you what some of the tone of this book is like. I do like an old well, though. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. it talks about an old well on a farm. It says, The well was deep and almost dry, full of lizards and insects, but very little water. The well was like an old man who'd lost the desire to get dressed in the morning. The well would sit around all day in its pajamas waiting for something to happen. 25 years ago, something did happen. And uh, it doesn't look like something good happened. Uh, So what we're seeing is we're seeing some guy. He looks pretty creepy. He's chasing this woman. She's cornered at the well. She's got a gun. And then we see a red lizard sitting on the well, on the brick there. And that's all that we see, right? We don't see how this like story yeah. plays out or whatever. 25 years later, 500 miles due west, Michael Smith is starting what he laughably thinks of as his day. So we learn about Michael. They um, really drive <clears throat> home just how pathetic this person is right. supposed how, to seem to you. Right. And how boring he is. Right. So <laughs> or he's, how bored he is. He's yeah. extremely routined. So, like, he only has sex on a certain day of the week. He wears a certain underwear the certain day of the week. Um, he has 25 bath towels. 
Um, so he has like this very, he does on the Tuesdays, same Tuesdays <clears throat> I wear blue socks and the gray yeah. underwear and I count all my bath to- towels. Like, I like his bath mat that just says bath. You see that? Yeah. What a nice little detail. Yeah. yeah. I like that. He works fixing phones. Uh, see kids, this is 1993. So you had to have landlines in your house. And so <laughs> if you needed them to be worked on, people had to come to your house and fix it. That was the only way that we could talk to each other. We didn't have cell phones. So anyway, I, there's some anachronisms in this comic that I like. Uh, we see Michael. He's working in the home of a celebrity who is pretty much a slime ball. This guy is Victor Lamont, and we see Lamont. Uh, so, this guy sucks. Yeah, he, and he he, his house is real messy. He's talking about very crass stuff that I won't go into. But, but he has at, a phone booth in his house. Yes, which right? is so interesting. <laughs> I think that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, cool. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. All the different things in there, and uh, there really is a lot going on. You get the sense that it's like very cluttered. Um, but we see at the end of the scene, Lamont is receiving a package, yeah. which I, re- uh, I think is important, yes, right? Yes, it is. The narration says, Michael is a tree ape who lost most of his hair and now has nightmares about black horses and cancer. Okay. Sometimes he feels like a rumor drifting through a world of hard facts. What's the point of you, Michael? Feel like a rumor drifting through a world of facts. Yeah. That's that's a good That's a good line, man. We cut over to a grisly scene. It's a crime scene, and the cops are there. They find a guy in a, in the alley with the back of his head exploded. Oh, no. We learn that there's a killer eating brains. They call him the Brain Eater. Okay, very creative. <laughs> All right. <laughs> One of the cops discover a dead red lizard at the scene and notes that they've seen others at another crime scene or something like that. He's, he's like another red lizard. Um, the other cop, he says... Um, the lizard isn't sucking out the brain, so there's no connection. Brilliant police work right there, right? Right. <laughs> and he tells the guy to throw the lizard away. We cut to Michael. He's with his girlfriend, Sandra. They're hanging out with their neighbor, Joe, and his girlfriend. And Look at it... that TV, though. Look at that TV. Oh, my God. Oh, the man. Little Just box a big TV. giant. You know that thing weighs like five tons, too, It's for how small it is. It's huge. Um, yeah. But Michael's in the middle of saying, we can't go to the club. It's Tuesday. We go to the club on Friday. Saturday. Saturday. On Saturday or whatever, right? And Joe says Michael's weird. His girlfriend says he's normal. Yeah, so normal, it's weird, Joe says. Maybe he's the brain eater. You know what they say about still waters? So the saying is, still waters run deep. This is a proverb of Latin origin. It's commonly taken to mean that a placid exterior hides a passionate or subtle nature. It was popularized by William Shakespeare in 1590 in Henry VI. Smooth runs the water where the brook is deep, and in his simple show he harbors treason. So he's kind of trying to say something about Michael there, and after he makes that comment, Michael goes, Lizard. And then he's like, wait, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they make fun of Michael's routine. He just got finished saying that they couldn't go to the club. And so they're like, well, he's like, oh, you know, uh, you, you know, maybe you guys ought to head out. It's getting late. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's Tuesday. You right. guys probably want to be alone. Right. And then his girlfriend's like, oh, I, I shouldn't have told her about Tuesdays. It just kind of slipped out. And right. they're all like laughing at him. And he's like all sad. Right. Yeah. And I That's did. Rude. We, we've kind of talked about it already. But at this point, we've seen a couple scenes. I did want to talk about Fregredo's art if we hadn't. Yes. I, I love this scene as they're walking out laughing on this final panel. It was very striking. Yeah. I love this version of Fregredo, you know. Yeah, um, it's all scritchy, scratchy, loosey goosey. Because yeah. what we've been exposed to is the Hellboy stuff, but I was showing Aubrey, I have this sketchbook, 
It's called Stuff, and it actually came out between this and his Hellboy stuff. Okay. And it's like the midway point through okay. this yeah. Richie right. and to the Hellboy. I'll post some images of that as well. But yeah, it's been really amazing. I love what he've what he's done with this, and it's almost like I think we can safely say that we actually like all incarnations of Duncan for Kratos. Yeah, art. it's really cool. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We cut to a room below Pacific City. A man stares at a broken mirror. We see that he has a skeleton in a chair and an Enigma comic on the floor. There's candles. The narration reads that this guy uh, makes up mind games to occupy his time, but he gets bored so quickly. Boredom, ennui, absurdity, his closest and only friends. It looks like there's nothing left for him to do but get dressed. And so he picks up this mask that's yeah. on the floor. What is that mask? What type of mask is that? I was wondering. Is it It's a like a Phantom of the Opera mask, but it's it's got the whole thing instead of it's not like half broken right, or anything. Or something like that. Well, okay. It's like the top half and not the side half. <laughs> right. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is exactly. Yes. But I wonder if there is there a name for that? I should have looked this up, but oh, no. it's it's like some sort of theater mask it's it reminds just a plain me of white, or something. Yeah. Yeah, mask. Yeah. But uh I like the line he waits, sick of it already, but with nothing else to do. Right. <laughs> Back with Michael and Sandra in bed. It doesn't seem like Michael was in the mood tonight, right? Um, and he feels weird about Joe's comment. And he wonders what turns one, t- one person into him and then another person into someone like the Brain Eater. He wonders if the Brain Eater is someone like him. And Sandra goes, shit, no. Someone like you'd never do anything as wild as sucking out someone's brains. And then she's like, wait, that kind of came out wrong. You know, I guess kind of saying that, like, he's not wild. You know, he wouldn't yeah. do anything. I think it's a compliment I think it's would a tell compliment me too, that yeah. I would never <laughs> suck out someone's brains. Yeah. So, But in either case, he leaves the bed and he says he's going to go watch television. He's obsessed with this brain eater thing and he wants to see if the police got him. Well, Maybe maybe it's not so much of what she said. Maybe it was her tone, right? That yeah, because like, she's like, "Shit, no," or I don't know. I you don't know, know. What I mean, yeah, like I probably would want that's that sounds reassuring to me <laughs> that my partner would think right, that yeah. I would never suck out someone's brains. But no, I I get the tone of the scene is that right. he's kind of like, "Oh, I guess I'm just routine." And right. by the way, like if you if you feel like you need to communicate to your partner that things have gone stale, probably don't tell your friend instead of your partner. Sure, probably yeah. talk to your partner about that because that's sad and rude. But no, so he goes out to watch the TV to see if they've caught the guy. He's kind of becoming really obsessed with like this, This these events that are happening. And he just like, he needs to know what's going on instead of, you know, doing his Tuesday night routine. Yeah. And they find that the brain eater has just struck again. The news reporter also mentions a mass man at the scene and it's only a couple blocks away. So he's like, we got to go check this out. (laughs) <laughs> fuck no he wants to go see what's happening at the scene of a murder yeah at, of the scene of the atrocity as the news puts it which is definitely a good word to describe right. what's happened there that i don't know if i would want to go check out the scene of a fucking crime but he's so excited like yeah but he's so excited he's pumped. sandra notices that he's excited in more ways than one. Oh yeah <laughs> Boner time. It's boner time. <laughs> He's like, Jesus, where did that come from? <laughs> oh, man. It's on his face. I know. It's funny. Um, God, this next page blew me away. I, uh, I yeah, love this. Yeah. Yeah. The clothes by Van Valkenburg and Fagredo's like loose 
quality it. on this yeah. is like really working for me on this page. Yeah. Um, we see it's Enigma. Like being on very pleasant drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Enigma is donning the mask. Not that we would know what that's like, or we would absolutely know what that's I, like. I do know what that's like. <laughs> um, it's a, You're having a pleasant time on drugs as opposed to a, an unpleasant time on drugs, go. is what I mean by that. I'm okay with it. Michael tells Sandra. He had a dream about someone in a mask a few days ago, and it was like a dream he had when he was a kid. I recognized him. Like he was an old friend or something, Michael tells Sandra. Mm, so then he's like, yeah. So then um, after all of this, he's like, I need a drink. Well, she, like, she's like, what? I wasn't listening. I'm cold. What did you say? <laughs> Just not listening. And he's like, I need a drink. And then so we cut to 30 minutes later, and they're going at it on the street on the hood of his car. She's shocked really at really going at it. Yeah, she's shocked at his behavior, but then she goes along with it, telling him to do what you want. But what does he want to do with her? Make I don't love? know. He, he runs through a bunch of scenarios. And he's like, I don't know. What about all this different yeah. things? Who knows? Ending with suck out the brains and eat them, mm-hmm. right? So he's like, don't do that. He's still like comparing himself to, or I don't know. This is the narration too. So it cuts between these narration boxes, and I'm like, who's the narrator? Um, so you got to kind of like also think about that. Yeah, it, that's. I, I did get a sense on this page of like, wait, who's yeah, who's the narrator and who like what yeah. is is it someone watching them or is it the just the omnipotent right narrator that has kind of a goofy personality or is it <laughs> is it him? right is He's it got him? a different does he have like a separate part of sure, his mind yeah. that's doing it or like yeah. what's happening so that did make me kind that's of question what yeah. was going on yeah. We cut to the cop from earlier. His name is Bob, and I think this is his wife because there's like a picture of him on the thing. So, and it looks like they just got done doing it too, maybe. And he's showing her this red lizard. He said his partner told him to throw it away, but he picked it up again. And he starts teasing her with it um, because she's like, oh, get that thing away from me. And he's like, no, kissy the lizard or whatever. And then she sees something that freaks her out. And so he looks over and he's like, oh, fuck. And then we just cut over to, we don't see what it is. We cut to Michael. He's in his car driving to work. He felt weird about that thing with Sandra last night. He like snuck out and he found this huge dent on his car. Ah. Um, I don't think that would really permanently dent your car. I know, I right? I think you would have to have something like falling at a, like a certain velocity <laughs> to actually permanently dent the car like that in the shape. But right. her ass isn't that fucking big. Come on now. <laughs> Even if it were. And then I like the narration reads, there's a green lizard floating across the road. Specifically a green green lizard. Yes, a green one. And so what is this effect? It's like glowing or something. It's like in like a comet. Like when I'm looking at it on the page, I'm trying to like... It's kind this... of floating in a little nebulous yeah. little kind of a magical. There you go. Yeah, trail. I like that. You described that perfectly. I love that effect. And so it floats up to this apartment building. Specifically, though, I, I got to point out the the lizard from before was red. This lizard's this green. One's green. There yeah. you go. We got to. I think colors are going to be important as far as lizards go. Yeah. <laughs> Back with the cop. They're being attacked by the brain eater. Here we get to see what this thing looks oh, like. Oh shit. Um, it's well, fucking gnarly looking. It, and, and this loose style with Fagredo. One thing that I love. It's fucking gnarly looking. Yeah. Aubrey, it is. Sorry. The, go ahead. The, the, the panel layouts, you never get to see how big the head is. It's not until later that we actually right. get to see yeah. the full scope. It's just implied. You, you just see that it's this big thing that is yeah. taking up. Like you can't even see the whole thing in the frame. 
Um, so that makes it pretty scary. Um, the other thing that's scary is it's got this like pokey device and it shoves up the Long cop's straw. neck and he's going to like suck out the brains or he's whatever. Got his own like he's literally straw here. And he introduces himself as the head. The head stabs the cop with the instrument. The narration reads, it's not a stomach he's feeding. It's the head. So he's like feeding his head, I guess, making it bigger. Yeah, he explains like, like I don't simply eat brains. It's something deeper and more magical yeah. than that. It says, many primitive people believe that if you eat a person's brains, you require his knowledge. The head has refined this ability. When he eats a brain, he experiences a concentrate of an entire life. Memories, loves, passions, glorious self-abuse. And then it says, a primitive person is one who doesn't drive a car. So I think... Cars are amongst the greatest causes of premature deaths of lizards in Arizona. Which is so weird for it to yeah. throw that out there. Right. But, like, there's something about the writing in this where it's confusing. But if you just keep reading, you go, oh, wait. I, okay, sure. then now that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But it's just, like, when it just throws this stuff out there, it's kind of jarring. Right. When, when you're reading it. Anyway, I'm sorry, what were you going to no, say? No, but I, I agree that it's... um the The writing style is very... Jump jumpy, yeah. It, you know, yeah. it's jumping around, but it's it's it serves a narrative purpose. It serves a purpose in the story, um, and I think that the art style lends itself so well to that writing style. I think that this yeah. is a really good. They mesh well, and I don't know. I'm just a sucker for narratives that jump around, yeah. and when you're done with the story, you're like, oh, the big picture all right. comes into place, and then you you watch it again or you read it again, yeah. and you're like, aha, I see. Yeah. Like it's I I really love shit like that because I feel like that's life a lot of things don't make sense right away and then later you're like okay all right and i do i do want to point out one quick thing we did talk about how this was uh story was written a long time ago and i think um we would probably not refer to people as being primitive oh right yeah find a different word different word for that and so there are there are different cultures where this is a thing that people think and feel and right stuff like that but i don't well, think we would probably refer to any any people as being primitive well and, and i think the viewpoint is skewed because right. they're like a primitive person is someone who doesn't drive a car sure, which sure, I think sure. it's just kind of ridiculous it's absurd it's absurd it's point. an absurdist yeah. so yeah, yeah i think that i just don't want people to get the wrong impression when they're listening to us like we don't obviously right. agree with that language but I, I, at the same time this is a very absurdist kind of a take yeah so i think that it's, thanks for pointing that out right right, right. Um, but going back to the writing, you know, we've talked about this a lot in the Hellboy book club and, and on this uh, on this podcast as well, where it's like, keep up. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. you, d- d- they trust it, us. It, it respects the reader as being smart enough to be able to put this together. And if you can't put it together, then you just won't pick up the next issue. But like, or even this... if you can't put it together, maybe you'll still be intrigued right. enough to read it again and like and try and I, find I, some sort of meaning in it. It's weird, but like. When I read Little Bird, I had a similar experience to yeah, reading this, man. where it's just like, it's weird, and you're like, I, this doesn't make sense. And then you keep reading, and you're like, oh, okay, wait, yeah. now I think I get this. And yeah. then if you come back and read it again afterwards, and you're like, okay. Not everything has to anyway, quote unquote make sense. You can just be intrigued by a thing, and you know, yeah, just trust yeah. me that I am getting something out of this without you holding my hand through the narrative. Don't tell me how to feel about your art. I will feel however yeah. I feel about it. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And cool. so, Look at this panel up the top left of this yeah. page man that is just blowing me after away. it's after it's, it's sucked out the brain it's the like fingers yes and so it has this like long snout and the, the head is again it's out of frame but it's also like expanding or well, there's the spine has to grow stronger to support it yeah. yeah so the spine's coming up to support it and it's just like it's almost like a 
like a weird magical type of a fire right that's yeah. just burning it's like a torch oh of a head. i love that it's just really incredible as the head approaches the wife it also says do you like my lizard it says uh yeah <laughs> do you like my lizard <laughs> Yeah, so th- that's that red lizard, right? We were talking about that, and then so here we start to get the super vi- the super villain or the super villain origin, super villain, yeah, super villagers, the super that that should be the new name for it. Um, but it's being intercut with the action here, right? So we see this guy. His name is Roger Cliff. He ran over a red lizard, but it didn't die, so he took it home and he cared for it. This is also twenty five years ago, and it looks like it's the place where we started at the very beginning of the comic. Exactly. Yes. Thank you for making that connection, Aubrey. Back at the current scene, the head is about to get the wife when suddenly the green lizard floats by. The head is like, look, another one. And so she takes that distraction to try and run out the door. But Michael has been clueless following the green lizard. So when she opened I was following it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't really know why I'm here. There was a lizard and I followed it. And back with the flashback, after caring for the red lizard for years, it died. Lovingly. Lovingly caring for the lizard. It, It died and Roger Cliff pickled it. And he kept it as an ornament until 10 days ago when it started to talk. You oh. will find a package waiting for you at locker number eight in the West Pacific Station. Very specific yeah, lizard yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. And it led Roger to a package, and the package had this black and white striped costume that transforms him into the head. As soon as Roger saw the costume, his mind assumed the proportions of an industrial revolution unaware of the ecological damage it was causing. Right, yeah. That's an interesting idea. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, as he eats the brains of certain people, he's getting, like, some of their qualities. Like, when he eats the priest, Roger senses we're blessed with furtive longing and sweet altar wine. Mm. It so happened that the head accidentally dropped the lizard yesterday, and it was picked up by Bob at the crime scene, the cop, and so now we're all caught up, right? The head followed the trail to the red lizard. The green lizard floated up there, too. Michael followed that, and so he's like, who? What's that? <laughs> Just as it grabs the wife and pulls her in. So then suddenly, and I wanted to talk about this, this page is incredible, but then like suddenly the head just floats up, right? Is that what happens? Because yeah. it's about to get the wife, and then he goes, ah, and he goes, perhaps we all float away someday, and then he crashes through the window and he drops the wife. She's still alive. And here is when we get to see how big the actual head is as he floats out. It's all got the glass sticking out of it from crashing through it. But, like, what happened there? He was pulled down into the sky, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Well, yeah. And then later, well, it, it kind of shows you what happens because then later, you know, the wife is mourning her husband. And it, it's um, the narration goes into another one of those, who is this? But it says, Oh, I love this part. The yeah. The really hilarious thing about death is its sense of timing, the sense of ridiculous. Don't you think? But what about life, I hear you say? Life is not exactly unridiculous. Come on, you're an expert. You're alive, you're going to die one day. What do you think? Which has a better, more sublimely developed sense of ridiculous? Life or death? And so the panels go a little bit weird. I feel like the window is like a panel, and then it comes down into normal panels. And you see this guy, this fucking guy with a mask on. as, As that narration is going on, we see the green lizard. Michael sees the green lizard. It floats out the window. He follows it out there, and then he sees Enigma out there. And he's like... He's got the, the Enigma green Enigma is floating the lizard with his floating yeah. powers. I wonder who floated oh, the head okay, out of the yes. window. Probably the guy with the floaty powers. And is he floating or is he standing on the window ledge? I was trying it's, to... It looks like he's standing on a ledge. Right, yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, he's, I mean, he's floating stuff all around then. And there's also no guarantee he didn't float up to that ledge. That right, true. how did he get up there exactly? I think he's the culprit of the floating <laughs> sure, things that, makes that sense. are happening. So Enigma drops down into the alley and Michael runs out of the building after him. All fear gone, washed away by the blood that never boiled like this. Not even with Sandra on the hood of his car. Never so close before. Never so anything before. He's staring into the eye of the sun. The old Michael is a pair of trousers worn by another man. <laughs> and so Michael chases him out there and he's like, I know who you are. I know who you are. But he loses Enigma before you catch up to him. And suddenly the head drops oh, down. No. Um, so he's out there and he goes, let's see what we'll find in your little mind. And he sticks Michael with the thing. So he floated the danger away from the people. And then he just didn't deal with it. He I like guess, left yeah, the guy yeah. out to go hurt more people. That seems like an oversight. Right. Chapter two, the truth. And again, we get the sketch. And then as we turn the page, we get like the full thing. Although it looks like it's, uh, I guess, was this not there in the actual cover? That picture of the truth? So we pick up right at the end. So the, the head dropped down. It attacked Michael. If it wasn't for the fact that a monster called the head was plunging a metal pipe up the nose preparatorily to sucking his brains out, Michael Smith could almost laugh. At last, he's got it. He's got the joke. The joke is life. The punchline is that there are so many things he'd like to do with his life now that his life is over. Not much of a joke. Not much of a life. I'm dying, he thinks. No one has ever died more than this, he thinks. <laughs> Jesus Christ on the cross, Shakespeare, John F. Kennedy, Rock Hudson, they didn't die in any better or deeper or more real and absolute way than he is dying now. He's never thought like this before. He's never really thought at all before, except when he was a little boy. Uh, I love that. Uh, I love yeah. all that. As, yeah, it's good. And so as this is happening, the head is sticking the thing up of his nose, getting ready to suck his brains out, um, when all of a sudden uh, the head is pulled away. And the that... action of him being pulled away and subsequently the thing being yeah. pulled out of his face is so dynamic. Yeah. Like, it's just very... It's, the, wow, oh, God, yeah. The movement there, like, I had to pinch my own nose. Uh, <laughs> when I first read that, I was like, oh, like, held my nose. Right. You know what I mean? And we see that it's Enigma. Enigma's pulled the head away. As Michael's dying, he's like, I know who you are, he thinks. You're my old secret pal. You're the Enigma, he thinks. And then dies. Mm. So we cut to Michael in the hospital. He's all hooked up to the light su life support machines. The color palette like, completely changes. Yeah. Um, and I like this. Like, so Okay, so someone's over his body. We don't see who it is. And it says, I don't want to lose you. I know I said some horrible things, but I didn't mean them. I don't want to lose you. We can start again. It can be like it was in the beginning. I'll try harder. Just don't leave me. And so we think it might be Sandra, but it's actually just these two. They have these a drum. Fucking the people yeah. that work at the hospital have drama themselves. And I'm sorry, Craig. It won't work. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I oh, thought that so, was so good. Yeah. So anyway, it's just I've their changed, drama. Craig. I want to anyway. go to new places and do new things and sleep with other men. And she's like, Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <too. laughs> yeah, I absolutely want to do that. And he's like, God, you're callous. <laughs> so, uh, but then, like, you know, obviously his Sandra girlfriend comes shows and they have up, to cut yes, this little and, drama you know, short. They tell her that the brain eater didn't eat any of his brains, but it's unlikely that the Michael Smith that Sandra knew will ever be coming back. So, this yeah, he's kind grim. of saying, like, we should just let him go and probably right. turn off the life support. Yeah. He's not ever coming back. This is He's not going to recover. He's not going like, to have any higher brain function. The doctor is trying to convince her that he's he's just not coming right, back. That's yeah. it for him. And At the coroner's office, they examine the head's corpse. Uh, so I guess the enigma killed it, right? Uh, they find out who he was, Roger Cliff, and uh, one of the guys... His name is Milligan, which I thought was interesting because Peter Milligan is a writer. Mentions that they found this next to his body. It's been pickled. 
And he holds up that red lizard. So now they have it there. We cut to Enigma. Apparently he sits for two days processing all the events of the previous two days in like minute detail. And like he remembers everything that happened, um, I guess, as he was fighting the head. When he remembers killing the head, he wonders, is this enough? Does this make it worthwhile? Does this make it less absurd? With these actions, can I recreate the dark and sensible walls of an abandoned well? I, I thought that that was that weird line. because it's talking yeah. about the well again. So again, it's kind of like bringing this back. Um, he took the head in his arms and looked into his eyes, looking for recognition, meaning something. And seeing only madness and death, bashed his head open. Jace. Back at the hospital, they tell Sandra she'll have to turn off the life support machine since Michael had no family. Um, but here she says she wants another night with him. Yeah, she says just, you know, give, give me one more night with him and uh, then you can turn him off. I love Switch the... him off like a, like yeah. a switch, I guess. <laughs> But uh, um, so she, 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 he's telling her, ah, just let him go, and she's like, ah, one more, one more day. Right. Um, the color work by Van Valkenburg on this nighttime hospital scene. Yeah, you know so what I mean, good. I don't know. Like I've been in the hospital overnight. Like I don't know if anyone's been in the hospital yeah. overnight. Like I just feel like it very much like evokes that just kind of Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's really interesting. The narration mentions the truth. The truth is she never liked him as much as she did now. Now that he's almost dead, and it also mentions she's been sleeping with the neighbor Joe. As the radio plays, Sandra lays her head down on Michael and falls asleep. And as we like kind of pan out over her is enigma i love that kind of it's very cinematic and almost kind of creepy this is when um, i that was reveal. like and, is and, that the guy right exactly mm -hmm. and it's also um what i like about this is you know it does have this kind of like yellow wash over the scene but enigma is fully colored yeah as they pull out you know what i mean so it's still very dark yeah yeah which is yeah but yeah i kind of started this was the moment when i was like mm, what is going is on this here the yeah. guy or like what's happening we cut to a fancy restaurant called the Grapes of Wrath. The oh, diners have stopped God. eating. Why? They're, they're listening to the truth. Oh, no. Lies and half-truths deceits. Our society is built upon them. Our churches and schools and politicians deal in them. I'm sorry. If a guy Your entire fucking... lives are awash with them. Who uh, among you can claim to be honest? Who does not lie? And the policeman's like, oh, I just work here. Yeah, like, no. If a guy outside? came into a restaurant with all this horse shit, I'd yeah. be like, Get the fuck out of here. Get out of it. There is no outside. There's no inside or outside. No up or down when it comes right. to the truth. This fucking guy. So he picks up the <laughs> he picks up the policeman and he looks at him and says, The truth fixes an unlucky man with a stare of such dismal honesty that the complex layers of lies and illusions on which the man's life is based fall away one by one. So he kinda like almost ghost riders him he like yeah it's like a he pen does. and stare. He <laughs> but, he, stare but he makes them realize like the absurdity of life like it's very existential like what's the meaning of life and i guess it doesn't mean anything so it's a very like a nihilistic view I think it but it like it drives people to just die or to just do like just anyway it's got this kind of effect on well people. he kind of he like blows away like ashes yeah right almost. right i feel like if the truth got a hold of us we'd just be like all right yeah it's fine we, we know we're just okay three nerds doing it. a podcast and it reminds me of that meme it reminds me of that meme of like uh it's like a christopher walken meme of like you know nihilist versus absurdist of like life has no meaning okay yeah and like you need to 
Give in to despair. No. <laughs> yeah, but life has no meaning. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we'd just be like, okay. Yeah. Sure. What else you got? This is boring, actually. You are boring me. But yeah, this guy, obviously what happened is he turned into ashes and blew away. But I wonder if you got a hold of another person, if they would turn into sort of almost an immaculate being of like, good, thank you for freeing me from oh, this. Okay, I appreciate yeah, right. that. So I, I do wonder if like it's strictly a villainous thing of like, He's just the truth. As Wait, far as we he's see concerned, that, we see that the truth has different effects on people. Yeah, it makes me think like it, it kind of makes I, I love the story that makes me feel like, well, with this specific person, this is what the outcome was. But what if he got a hold of another person and that person was like, cool, actually. I just wonder because, you know, he's presented as like this fucking guy. Look at this guy turning people into fucking ashes and skeletons right. and stuff. But as we're going to see later, different things happen to different yeah, characters yeah. in the story. So that yeah. I, I, I like that. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. It's just, you know, he's just performing his behavior and that behavior has different effects on different people. Yeah. It's interesting. And we didn't talk about the appearance of him. So oh, he's right, kind of yeah. like a thin guy. He's got like this wild hair and then he's got like a big T on his face. He's got a very skinny <laughs> yeah. face. Think of um, it's like it's like a red tornado, I guess. Or like a Mr. Terrific. Mr. Yeah, Terrific. Mr. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, no. Mr. Terrific. It's like Mr. Terrific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why did I say red tornado? He doesn't have a T on his face, does he? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so. It's Mr. Terrific. Yeah. After he kills this guy, it's for a moment he hesitates. Another life, another person, suntans, lies, a cocaine dependency, a package arriving one morning containing a see-through, brutally honest see-through body stocking. That's kind of like what the head found. In his box, remember? Yeah, he found a he costume. found a, a body. It was like a it was a body stocking. It was like some sort of like skin tight outfit. So yeah. Anyway, this is kind of like the same thing. Sorry, update. Red tornado has an airbender arrow. Oh, that's what it is. That's what it's you're thinking. Got an of. airbending <laughs> arrow on his head. We cut back to the hospital, and the footage on the TVs at the hospital are covering the truce attack on the restaurant. They mentioned 25 people died, and um. Is that why they put a seraph on the T? So as not to be confused with Mr. Terrific, it's got a serif. Oh, maybe, maybe. yeah. On yeah. the T. But then it says 25 people died and then uh, 15 were severely traumatized. Right, there you yeah. go. From so, having seen this shit happen. But maybe, like, the truth has a different effect on people. They didn't all die, right. maybe. You know what I mean? Either they witnessed him totally obliterate a yeah. man and were traumatized by that, or he, like, went to each of them in turn yeah, and, like, yeah. not all of... That guy just had some shit going on, right, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. The doctors, they're going into Michael's room. Uh, but before they do, they have this weird conversation about versions of weird. plays. It's not weird because, yeah. I found this really funny. Okay, there's just only so many ways you can do Shakespearean so, plays. So there yeah. are a lot of, you know, different directors and et cetera have, have like, ah, I'm going to do a weird take yeah, on this yeah. this time. And let's see who can do the... This guy strikes me as like a guy who's seen a lot of okay, yeah, hack maybe. theater that he is just sick of it. He's sick of it, man. They and mention- there was a whole phase where people were like, oh, what if it was Macbeth, but everyone was a horse? Yeah. Or what if it was, you know, like what was the other play? That- what they if it was a- Hamlet, but everyone was, uh, was painted blue? Yeah, exactly. Flies caught on a spider web. Yeah, so he's like... He said he saw Hamlet once and played on a huge spider web that covered the entire stage, and all the characters were flies caught in the web. There's a lot. Or was of... that Macbeth? That's what he says. Yeah. So he's like he can't even remember yeah. which one it was. So there's a lot of this. You get a lot of like hack shit where like people are like, ah, I'm gonna do a different take on it, but it's just fucking. Yeah. No, don't. So this came out what ninety three? You said. Yeah. So around ninety two, ninety three, I went and saw a 
Julius Caesar play and it was set like in a modern setting and like they had like well, rock that's... band and uh, rock bands playing and like oh, guns no. and moshing. And oh, oh no. wow, that's awesome. Oh, very... it, was a, it was a college play. It was a lot of fun though. It's very Boz Lerman. Boz Lerman, yes, absolutely Boz Lerman. Although I do like that movie. Mm. Um, oh, this is actually I enjoy this that movie. About... I, I enjoy that movie. That, what I it was about say. like five years before that movie came out. It yeah. makes me feel like I am on uh, again some kind of drugs. <laughs> It's just a different, it's so, a very different experience. They mention um, a version of Hamlet that's set in a brothel, and then, of course, the spiderweb one. I couldn't find references for these. I did look for them. But interestingly, there is a Japanese version of Macbeth that ha- is known by two names because of translation, and one of the names is Spiderweb Castle. Nice. But they're not spiders. They're Oh, wow. They're, they're Japanese people. It's just a Japanese version of Macbeth. Anyway, um, so the doctors, they enter to turn off the life support. Uh, Sandra says a few words. She tells God that Michael wasn't a ball of laughs, but he was, I guess, he was a real good man. Is that it? (laughs) And they're like, okay. So they turn it off. Michael sits up. The Enigma. The Enigma is in the spare bedroom. And then he passes out again. So here's something interesting. This is actually um, somewhat a common occurrence or an occasional occurrence. I'm not really sure how common it is. But it's been reported by, I've, I've, I've read a lot of different accounts of um, you know, you're with someone on their deathbed and they're they're passing away or whatever, and then they suddenly will sit up straight and like say a thing and then die. Oh. And people have been like, What does it mean? and all this stuff. And so there's uh there's I've read different accounts of this actually happening to like actual people. He was mouthing something, but I couldn't really hear what he said because, you know, the air wasn't really coming out. Like right. he, he looked like he was saying something but you couldn't hear any sounds or wow. he said something but it didn't make any sense or you know, he said something, but I didn't understand it. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of that that actually does happen. And so there, and it's obviously a big trope in movies as well. But I just um, that reminded me of like reading a book of a real account of someone. Right. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I read yeah. this, but I don't want to do any specifics, but I, I read this book where this woman, you know, was was with a, a man as he was dying and he sat up and said a thing and then died and she was like what and she was became obsessed Brian, with like, yeah what did this mean for the rest of her life and all this stuff and so i you just see you see that a lot and it's just um that always really yeah for some reason that sticks with me i think like it, it it's such a compelling idea yeah, to, yeah. to me of like yeah. oh what would be Oh, this is so important. I gotta yeah, step and say this one last thing. Oh my god! And then you, and then you're like, oh, I would really hope that there would be someone dedicated to, right? <laughs> Knowing, to but like, being like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out right, or whatever. Or what because it's like, I guess obviously that, that has to be important, it, right? Yeah. Like, what are you trying to communicate from almost beyond the grave? That's as close as that would get to be like, I'm about to go, but I gotta say one more thing. Yeah, okay, bye. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh shit! <laughs> what did he say? Did anyone get that? Did anyone catch that? Right, yeah. I would hope I wouldn't miss out on that, right? <laughs> so I've just, I've just, that's always been a fascinating thing. So like, that was very well. The enigma is in the spare bedroom. Yeah, what does that mean? It's just a, um, it's just a very, and it's so dynamic. It's such yeah. a, the way that he shoots forward and then falls back. And yeah. it's just very, you're in that yeah. moment with yeah. her of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> What are you trying to say? Bosco. She's gone. We cut to the home of Victor Lamont. This is the same movie star who was having his phone fixed by Michael. Um, He got the package. Apparently it contained that body stocking and he became the truth. The police found matching prints on the victims in the restaurant and apparently it leaked to the press because they're all there too. 
at the hospital. The doctors examine Michael, who appears totally fine, despite having his brain stirred up a little bit. Michael is obsessively <laughs> watching the news coverage. Um, he mentions that he met Lamont. Then I get attacked by the head, and he becomes the truth. He asks me if I ever seen a naked woman vacuum a carpet. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, all right, so, uh, hmm, we're just going to let you rest. I love this second panel as he's, like, watching the TV. Like, I think Fagredo yeah. really captures, like, yeah. just the weirdness of this guy. He's come back to life. Yeah, and then and, and he's just like obsessively watching the TV, and there doesn't appear to be anything wrong with him, even though he had something the, stuck up in his yeah. brain. It's just like it's just a bizarre. It's bizarre. Anyway, it's the a lot of context yeah. coming into this. The expression on his face is fantastic. I also just want to point out real quick: the doctor said, "It's just as well I decided not to turn him off yesterday. Oh, that's such a bullshit. less experienced man might not have given him any chance of survival." And the look on this woman's face she's like yeah mm, well done yeah, it <laughs> okay. wasn't him at all yeah he was like oh good thing i decided not to fucking kill this man we go into the victor lamont's house with the police and so they're lighting the inside of the house with the flashlight but it gives this washed out like horror yeah. element you know what i mean like yeah. i really like that good job again on a with van valkenberg on the colors um lots of gross body stuff uh, that they find that the truth is doing to his victims and he approaches he's holding a heart right is that what it is it looks like a heart he says it's so cliche just holding a heart yeah he says this is true man stripped of pretense skinned of all deceit this is the naked truth and so all of this is messing with the cops and they start hesitating and killing themselves as well based on like their once they find out the truth about themselves and there's some pretty horrible stuff that they're talking about right i that like it yeah we don't have to go into it yeah suddenly a voice says truth look at me truth and we see enigma there and so everybody's watching this and I love it says, for a second, he seems almost solid, almost as though he were a real person in a real world. The ants scurrying about, busily feeding, fighting, collecting, building, dying, the lizard watching the world as though they're wise, but they're not wise, just ugly enough to be wise. Um, and we kind of see Enigma there watching all the people and looking at truth. Michael is watching this in the hospital, and he's like, ah, oh, I knew it was you. And Sandra shows up with the suitcase that he's been asking her to bring, and then she's kind of disappointed when it's stuffed with comics. But they're Enigma comics. Right? He's like, there it is, the Enigma. So there's a comic called the Enigma, and it has a character that kind of has that mask on it, and he's fighting another character that looks like the truth. Like, I was like, shut your mouth, and she goes, Shut my mouth? Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Shut your mouth and open your eyes. That is very rude. It's a rude thing to say. But but she's not. Uh, she's also not used to him being. He's assertive. He's, he's being boring like, and he's yeah. you know routine. And so this is like very out of character for him as well. Um, I love the color shift when he holds up the comic. Yeah. It really contrasts with that hospital lighting. You yeah. know what I mean and stuff like that. Um, I just really love that. He's got his very tuxedo mask thing going on over here. <laughs> Man, I love this. Pa I love this it reminded page. Reminded me of. Ooh. I love this page with all the colors on the Enigma's vest. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. like the way that this fight is choreographed, like Enigma almost has like this magician's. 
He's like gesturing he's like very, very balletic. He's very it's yes, a lot of ballet and graceful. Yes, it is very graceful. And then you've but, got this like creepy creepster all but he like, hunched over and he like, throws him through a window. Him. But the way that he throws him through a window is very yeah, dancey, dancey. Yeah. yeah, it's very like you would see it as very kind of like a ballet move he uses or something. Floaty hand powers. I love to be. this. It's really uh, lovely. God, this yeah. page blew me away. Uh, I just really loved all the motion and capture the yes. motion captured by Figueroa. And again, the color by Van Valkenburg, I've really been enjoying on this book. So graceful, the way yeah. that he just floats in and floats him out of the window. Yeah, it's just yeah. Scary. It's lovely. Yeah. It's a it. violent act, but it doesn't look like it. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a gracefully done violent act. So back in the hospital, like, Michael's like starting to go a little mad with this comic. He's like, give me that. I got to see who wins. Right, because like it's playing out like the comic, and so as he's reading the comic, and as we're flashing to the real thing, like in the comic, Enigma is killed by the truth, and then so that appears to happen here as well. When he's reading the comic, he gets to where the truth has killed Enigma, and it says the end, and then it's also the end of our issue as well, which is kind of neat. Yeah, um, no, what's gonna happen? So we get uh, chapter three, the good boy. Is this paint? Like, a how? What is this done? Like, what? It kind of looks like paint. Yeah. What, what format are these colors? Because the the covers are Fagredo, but they're different quality from the interiors, right? So, right, like, well, yeah. yeah. But oh. it, but it, it almost looks like it's a different medium or something. I don't know. It, it's almost like like maybe watercolor or acrylic. These are really nice. So um, we get kind of one of these weird flash forward openings, and it, this kind of threw me off a little bit because we cut to this church. And there's something going on there. It looks like it's on fire. The truth is fighting Enigma. But we know that that just happened. So it's kind of giving us all this information. Michael's also watching. And he's standing there with this other guy. So it's like, who is this creature Michael's with? And what about Michael? Notice the difference? Does he seem marginally less like an asshole? Let's go back to a week, to the hospital. So it kind of gives us all this weird dump of information here. Well, and I like this because um, going back to the, like the forward, Peter Milligan says, when I approach a new story, I think about the voice. I didn't want this to be told strictly from Michael's first person point of view, nor did I want the voice or narration to be distant and different. I wanted something more inflected. I wanted a voice that had an right. attitude towards the action and the characters, just as I wanted the readers not to be indifferent, but to have an attitude to what they found in Enigma. So we did talk about that of like, how the narration is like, what is happening? Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. guy's like, oh, look what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very like, oh, you know, and so that kind of right, takes you through yeah. that. It makes yeah. you a little bit more invested in a more specific way. Right. And it looks like Enigma is being defeated also by the truth in this scene. So then we cut back. Hey, where's Enigma? What's he doing? Yeah. Ah, he's still having he's having some trouble over here, it looks like. It's just very So we blase. cut yeah, so we cut back to the police are watching, but the Enigma floats away. He doesn't completely kill the truth. And so they're all watching this. And Michael, you know, he's been through all of this and he starts to have this flashback of like his trauma, right? So we yeah. learn that like he was his mom gave him this enigma comic or he was looking at it and she sat him down she told him to read it and wait for her and then she just like never came back and so these it's interesting because like a horrible like traumatic thing is happening in this scene but his memory of her is all these beautiful yes, flowers floating it's purple through the wind and... um there's a trail of flowers following her she's very beautiful in this yellow dress you know so all this kind of stuff and then the color is all washed out when he gets found by the police, you know, and they're like, 
He's like, oh, I've been here for two days. Yeah, this this uh, was really sad when yeah. I read that. I was so like, yeah. fuck. So, and that gives some insight into his weird, where he's all routined and kind of yeah. quote unquote boring, you know, or whatever. So it, now we're back at the hospital, and Michael, and now he's motivated to do all these things. And the doctor's like, oh, we got to monitor you. And he's like, it's my body. I can do what I want. Something important is happening. I need to leave the hospital and don't try and stop me. And he kind of pushes the doctor to the side and sandra's like michael that was so manly Uh, (laughs) it was definitely assertive i think uh, you know anyone can be assertive regardless of gender but he was like i'm i'm out of here right but also if they say you probably need to spend some more time in the hospital you might need to spend right but this is a popular movie thing especially in the 90s right (laughs) i just woke up from a coma yesterday i'm out of here yeah or like um, i love when um the rock just like flexes his muscle Uh, to get out of the cast cast (laughs) and then he just like goes back to action that was one of the that uh, was one of the fast and furious movies yeah it was yeah. yeah daddy's gotta go to work Oh man, I haven't seen that, but that sounds so awesome. Oh, he's in it. Yeah, he's in a cast, and he just flexes his muscle. We both were just like, "All right, <laughs> to okay. get out of the hospital." <laughs> anyway, um, so we cut over to Enigma. What is happening here? So he's in his apartment again, right? Because there's all the candles on the floor, but like he's like throwing himself on the ground. All he's these throwing himself all over his apartment. Yes, and but like this motif of the red. It almost looks like like it's coming off of him and creating. I don't know what this. It's just it very like a bunch of eyes. Yeah, it's very. It's very like abstract and weird. What is going on here? I love it. Um, but it is something emotional is happening after this encounter with the truth. So we cut over to Michael and he's telling Sandra he's got to find out what the connection is between. Got to find happened. out who the enigma yeah. is. What's going on? Yeah. And she's like, "Look, this is just someone's aping the supervillains, and now someone's aping the hero, and they're just that's all that this is." But he says it's not as simple as that. Um, the head, the truth—they weren't play acting; they've been changed. Yeah, like how would you justify that? Because if if this stuff is actually happening, right. you can't just say, "Oh, they're just playing, right. they're just dressing yeah. up, they're cosplaying." Like, well, no, they have superpowers so that's not true and michael feels that he's involved in things so he says i don't know but i'm involved i feel at the center of things for the first time in my life maybe for the last time if i don't act on it so he says i'll call you and she's like what about all your stuff and he's like i haven't had time to pack i'll just take what i'm wearing when he leaves she's like did you hear that he's just taking what he's wearing we went to florida last year he packed three weeks before we left (laughs) so he's 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 changed right she's noticed as he drives off he Here's his mom there, and she's like telling him, be a good boy, Michael. In the middle of his trip, he stops at this service station, and he's reading the comic in the toilet. Oh, this was interesting. Like, why does he stop there to just, I guess that's just a good place good place to stop? <laughs> Maybe he just really needed to go to the bathroom and decided to take a comic book with him. Yeah, but it doesn't look like he's using the restroom. It looks like he's just sitting there. Oh. He even, ah, like, on, on the last panel, it looks like he has his his legs up. Almost like a crisscross or something. I don't know. So Michael's checking out the comic um, and he's reading passages from episode two where he first met the lovely envelope girl. We cut over to supermodel Victoria. Yes, she's putting on a dress for the designer William Williams, who's this guy in glasses. And she's like shocked at this outfit. It like is ridiculous, it's right? A big envelope. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She says, I feel like an electric bill. But he says, you'll dazzle him. So she goes out there onto the runway. Um, I like all the the effect on this bottom panel of all the like the paparazzi cameras and stuff like that. Well, I don't think that'd be the paparazzi. That'd just be like the regular. All right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Just the regular, regular media. Pa- the yeah. regular paparazzi. Whatever that's called. Photographers. <laughs> Photographers. 
<laughs> she starts having like she starts gesticulating. She looks like she's having some sort of like moment up there or something's looks happening. Like she has bonitis. Right. <laughs> something like that. A bit of a fit. <laughs> My only regret is that I have bonitis. Uh William Williams runs up there and as he does, she like opens up the dress and it creates this like envelope. Yeah. Um and inside this effect with the colors looks and the like artist. The universe. Yeah. It's a very like cosmic kind of a what's that guy that does that? Eternity. Cloak. Oh, Eternity. Oh, no, with a cloak? I was going to say, like, cloak, like cloak and dagger. Oh, yeah. Cloak oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he do that? Something yeah. like that, right? Because she swallows him up, and then she opens up the dress, and he's gone. And she's like, ta-da! Yeah, but you're right. Eternity looks like that, his whole thing. Right. Looks like that. So um, this is one of the characters from the comic as well. And see, so then this guy's like, hey, asshole, are you going to get out of there, or am I going to have to piss through the keyhole? Because he can't get in Why the stall. Why would there be a keyhole on a bathroom stall? I don't stall? know. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you be climbing up over it? <laughs> right. Maybe it's the only one. And this guy's really got to go. And this dude's like... just in there reading a comic. I don't know. I feel like just go piss outside somewhere. I like this little detail. You can actually see Enigma in the comic. You see his his mask? Mm-hmm. That's a nice little detail by Fregredo. Um, So after this, Michael leaves. He picks up this lady named Saturn. She reads Fortunes. And she says they will spend it tonight together. And it will be unlike anything he's experienced. And he also... Sees his mom there, and she's like, Michael, be a good boy. I thought I told you. Your underpants are disgusting. You've been wearing them for three days or whatever. But here she's not colored anymore. She's just, like, gray or whatever. And so he just ignores it, and he says they're going to stop. At the next motel, he breaks the car, brings it to a halt, because there's a package in the middle of the street. And when they open it up, it's William Williams, the guy that got swallowed up by Envelope Girl. And he's like, oh, where's my show? I've got to get back. I'm due to be interviewed by Elle. (laughs) <laughs> the magazine or whatever, the fashion magazine. So when she swallows up these people, they end up in some other place. In like a package. Yeah, but he, but this guy ends up right in front of where Michael is going to be. Yeah. Which yeah. is interesting. So Michael did spend the night with Saturn, and it was an ex- unlike anything he'd experienced. And then when he wakes up, uh, all his money's gone, and she's gone as well. I like to think he took a shower before that happened. Yeah, I hope so. And he says he's lost his virginity for the second time in his life. So it's kind of like I don't know, like the new him or whatever. He's he feels different. Yeah. He called his ex girlfriend and asked her for money. This guy's a fucking asshole. He sure did. What a deadbeat piece of shit. But then as she's talking to him, like the neighbor Joe, he's all gross. He's all like, yeah, like you see his he's tongue gross. Right He's trying to like make a move on her while she's still on the phone. She's then... also gross. They're two gross people. Yeah. So I guess it evens out. Right. It, it cancels I guess each so. Other yeah. Out, because uh, she's like, ah, oh, well, and, and then she tells him that she's not in the mood, right? Or I need to go to bed with a hot drink and a migraine. So we cut back to Michael. He's searching out the writer Titus Bird, who wrote the Enigma comic back in the old days. And when he gets there, he finds that there's these enigmatics, he calls them, <laughs> who are like, they're all obsessed with enig- with this superhero Enigma, this character. And so they like have all the... Well, the dress, they have shirts They're of him. obsessed with the creator because right. it says there's a big sign that says divination by comics. So they right. think like, oh, this guy's a fucking, he can, yeah. he knows what's going to happen. And right, all exactly. Shit. And so we see Titus Bird like running away from all of them. And there's that classic scene. They always do this in movies where someone's running away from someone and someone pulls up in a car and they're like, get in. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you're like, like, okay. And then he like saves him from this mob. And he's like, I'm not like them. He's like, uh, I'm not obsessed like that them. That happens in so many movies. Yeah, it really, it really does. does. And so I like that. It even happened in the 90s. So there you go. So Michael takes Titus to this bar 
and there they hang out and they're talking about this whole thing, right? Um, Titus says that the cops interviewed him when all this stuff started happening. And he told them, like, he doesn't know what any of this means, but all these other people are calling him a guru. Michael asked him how he felt when his character started coming to life. And he's like, how do you think I feel? I freaked out. (laughs) This is like something out of a Philip K. Dick novel. He's like, paranoia wasn't the word, man. My own characters have come to life to get me, I thought. I should have been nicer to them. I thought that was Mm, funny. I thought that was a really good line, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He's like, if I would have known they were going to come after me, I would have made them look like Michelangelo's David. I wouldn't have minded that. So yeah. he gives that little comment. I would have made them do nice things instead yeah. of making them do horrible things. <laughs> I love in in this page and the next couple of pages too. He's got such amazing hand gesticulations, like the uh, way that the, his hands are. When they're drawn. having this conversation, so yeah. lovingly drawn his hands, and so I I really admire that because um yeah. if, if an artist really can good draw hand hands well, yeah, wow. that's something that I always yeah. notice is if you draw hands, it's very subtle, well, it's but gorgeous. it does affect the reading experience because of yeah. the way that they're and there's a lot of it in these panels. He's so and you would if you were talking about something to this yeah. this yeah. seriousness, you know. Well, I wonder if it's like oh, I'm gonna give this artist man like some amazing hand gestures and so like it's just really expressive and beautiful and like every pose that his hands are in are so lovingly rendered and yeah. i just i really noticed I that. Love that i like that a lot yeah I, I also like this that he, michael's like what did the enigma mean like those comics meant a lot to me and he's like sorry to tell you but it didn't mean anything didn't mean shit i was <laughs> i was doing drugs and you know and whatever these are a drug crazed mind yeah. as they're talking we also get these weird panels where it's focusing on this fly um, so we see this fly going through the air. It made me think of like being a fly on the wall during right. the middle of a Oh, there you go, yeah. Um, so Michael's like, okay, well, what was going to happen in episode four? You know, was the Enigma really killed by the truth? And he's like, look, don't get so excited. It's only a comic. I used to make it all up as I went along, Bird says. Um, so I don't know what would have happened. But it's coming back to haunt me. And if I got to go back to my apartment, those loonies will be waiting for me. And so we see the fly again and he catches it. And he says, see this? He holds up the fly. We're like gods right now. We have power of life and death. There's no court that can try us for doing what we like to this fly. There's no moral comeuppance. There is no God except us here now. We can do whatever we like. And so he smears the fly and kills it on the table. And Michael's like, why'd you do that? And he goes, why not? I was bored. I was going to have Enigma say that in episode four, but I never got the chance. So Michael says, you know, come back with me to Pacific City. You know, whatever's happening, you're mixed up in it too. We cut back and so we find out that the truth has continued to kill people. We see, I don't know, there's just so much going on in these panels. I, yeah. I just think it's really outstanding it's for Greatest. He's standing on like a big loose, giant yeah. pile of skulls yeah. and there's a lot of gore. He's like... And we also see the Enigma is just like still on the floor we saw him like in his apartment like doing something dramatic and was the going hands. on again we've got yeah the hands we've got the doing... hands going up so michael and titus they break their journey and stop at another bar to have some drinks titus says someone i think john cage said that life without order was chaos but order without life was death so i tried to look for this i couldn't find this that exact quote so john cage he was an american composer a music theorist he was a pioneer of music, elect, uh, electroacoustic music, and non-standard use of musical instruments. He's done a lot of like weird avant-garde stuff. Like, apparently, he has a song that's like four and a half minutes of silence. The point of the song is the sound that the audience and that everybody's making in that four and a half minutes of silence, I see. or oh. something okay. like that. So it's like 
heady stuff like that. Sure. But he's also renowned. But he had this quote, Our intention is to affirm this life, not to bring order out of chaos, not to suggest improvements in creation, but simply to wake up to the very little life we're living, which is so excellent once one gets one's mind and desires out of the way and lets it act of its own accord. So that and that's the only reference I could find that was close to this line that Bird is saying. If I've got that wrong or if there's another line, he's, maybe he's getting confused with somebody else that I didn't capture, let me know. Uh, I love this because Michael's like, I've never talked to anyone like this before. You know, I've never like, you know, talked about this kind of stuff. And he says that he's drunk and for greater really captures like, yeah, you know, how you feel when you've had a couple of drinks and you're just talking to someone. You're just letting like letting it all hang out. As they're talking, you know, Titus says, hey, I think it's good you can talk to me like this. Let's go back to the motel room. And he's like, why? And he's like, you know why. And it seems like he grabs him maybe or he like gestures towards him. Well, it looks like he put his hand like on his like on his inner thigh. Right, or something like that. And so Michael stops. We get this one like cracked glass panel. Well, he's it's he's catching his reflection in the mirror up against oh, the back of the Oh, that's what bar. it is. Yeah. 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 And then he hits him in the face. Yeah, he punches this dude. And so afterwards, he's like, "I don't want to talk about it." But Titus is like, "Well, I just presumed." He's like, "You presumed what? That you were gay? Why the hell did you presume that?" He says, I don't know. I just thought you were. I'm sorry. So that's it, right? That happens. The next day, there's not much eye contact, and they're in the car. So they start talking about Enigma and the truth again. Titus says, I always figured that the Enigma would have a problem with the truth, like kind of like an antithesis. The truth is everything revealed, and the Enigma is just like part of a puzzle, and it's, it's some of the truth is concealed. So maybe that's why we see the Enigma like throwing himself around his apartment or whatever, because... Something about his seeing the truth affected him or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, and when we last saw him, he said he was trying to cover his mind in sheets of black and blackness and all that. So right. maybe whatever he was exposed to, the truth, he's just trying to force it out. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. We didn't talk about that, but it did say that description when he was lying on the floor. So now we're back where we started at the church. The truth is in there. He's killed a bunch of people. And Michael is just going over the police barricade. He's like, I've got to get to the truth. The truth about what, Titus asks? I don't know about everything, about the enigma, about my mother and why she left me, and the truth about what's happening to me. I'm sick and tired of enigmas, Titus. And so he just, like, jumps the barrier. This bottom panel is so cool for Grado. Uh, the motion right there is, like, oh, the yeah. is just incredible. I like how you can see the bottom of the shoe and everything. So then they're like, wait a minute. The reporters are like, look, someone's broken from the crowd. Someone's going into the church. And so all this is happening on TV. And Sandra sees it on TV. Right, exactly. Hey, Michael, you don't really want to go in there, the narration says. No, really, you don't. The truth hurts, you know. We have this creepy panel of the truth there. I love all this. And then we cut to chapter four, and then what? And I love that line. We'll come back to that a little bit. But uh, God, these are incredible covers. I really love this. And it always reminds me of David Mack, like all this kind of stuff right it here. It does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, the kind of abstract in, in the hair and on the collar and jacket of Enigma on this issue four cover. So this opening page blew me away. It's um, so insane. Yeah, and the colors and everything. And so it looks like the truth has become this giant monster thing, like, looming over Michael as he comes in, right? Like, is he super big or is that, like... He looks uh, super big. Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, it's so awesome. I really love this. The truth is overwhelming him. Yeah, and he's like, uh, are you ready to have the lies and conceits of your life peeled away like so many layers of skin? Are you ready for the truth? Well, because look, he grabs him like Godzilla. Right. Or, or King yeah. Kong or right. whatever. But he's like, uh, no, I don't really think I am. As he's looking into him, he's like, uh, 
saying all the stuff that he's going to do. And we will begin to dissect this pointless obsession of yours. And then, and so the truth just drops Michael. He's like, oh no, the truth. And Michael's like, but wait, what is it that you're seeing? What is it that you're seeing? Like he, because at first he's like dreading. He's like, oh no, what's happening? And then he's like, but wait, but. Hang on, I just, what are you, Yeah. wait, what I are you, you seeing? Gonna, what are you seeing, though? Because, like, not everybody else was like, no, please don't. Right, exactly. And he's like, he's like come no. on, then, come on, tell yeah. me. And, yeah. Yeah, it's like, whatever he saw, the truth couldn't handle it. <laughs> and then we also see enigmas there. So, like, I almost thought was the, because it's like, what are you seeing? And then he goes, ugh. So, it's like, right then, Enigma, I guess, uses that hesitation to come in and he grabs him. But it's also Enigma comes in right when Michael comes in. At so this that, point, yeah, I think he's exactly, the guy. Right? So, And he seems like he breaks the truth's neck. And so Michael kneels in front of Enigma. He goes, are you going to kill me? His hand slowly moves. And Michael remembers the first time he stood naked in front of a strange girl because that's what he feels like now. A strange girl. And so Enigma kind of like caresses his chin or whatever and i also thought the posing of this was interesting too oh, yeah. yes you know the way that he's it kneeled in front of him and then we cut to the cops getting there and michael's just still leaning there yeah and he's just been like that for a while he tells the policeman that he remembers nothing so he's taken he's taken outside and everyone's like cheering and all this kind of stuff because the truth has been taken out and titus comes over to michael and he's like i have to make a few statements have a few tests done but i can't tell them the truth titus they'll think i'm crazy I like how it's, uh, the narrator says, like, when the the truth is being carted off and their cheers, the crowd were obviously failed to see the irony of the truth dying in a church. Oh, right. That's God. <laughs> That's not what irony is. <laughs> I, think w- I think what they meant to say was probably failed to see the obviousness oh, I see. Okay. of the truth dying in church. Because then he says, actually, I failed to see the irony in that, too. Yeah, I, I love the writing on this by Peter Milligan. It's yeah, so it's thought-provoking and so yeah. like dense and good. Um, there's so many good lines throughout this. It's really We're not covering the full scope of it. I mean, you really need to read these four issues to get all of it, and well, you really also, should. We can't yeah. describe what this yeah. art looks like. I mean, you got to We can't gotta relay all the text. This. Yeah. yeah. We're introduced to this new guy now. His name is John Cade. And he goes out. He hears a noise in his living room. So he goes out there and he finds all the furniture has been rearranged. But when it's but it's rearranged in such a way that it drives him mad. Okay, because he, so he says, uh, he goes, uh, when he goes to investigate, he is very, very disturbed. Yeah. And someone's rearranged the furniture. As he looks at the room, now so grotesquely unfamiliar, it's as though something breaks into John's head and rearranges the furniture there. Right, exactly. And so and, uh, it's we, f- we find out that he beheads his wife and gross. kills himself. Horrible. And they find this blood on the wall that says, The Interior League. <laughs> so we cut back over to Michael, and he's like wondering, he's like being interviewed by the police and all this is happening, but all he can think of is like, what did the truth see in me? Like, it saw something weird that made it hesitate, and what was that? Mm. he's picked up by Titus after being interrogated or giving his statements or whatever. And they start talking about the interior league now. And he's like, well, it's not from my comics, but it's like something that would be in there, I guess. And as they're in traffic, they're approached by these enigmatics. He calls them enigmatics. Maddox. There you go. And they tell him, and then what? And the light turns green, so they're just able to drive off. But it goes like, because the furniture arranged in this specific pattern is a key that unlocks the mind and, like, I guess drives you to do right, fucked yeah. up shit. But yeah, so the enigmatics that approach their car just keep saying, and then what? You're right, yeah. Yeah. He tells Titus how the truth saw something in him, something so terrible, the truth recoiled. 
Yeah, and Titus speaks about the Enigma. He talks about that when they saw him outside because, you know, Michael stayed in that kneeled position. So then to the outside people, they saw Enigma come out and he's like, I know it sounds corny, but it felt like something religious. And I love that panel of like Enigma right there in that description. Yeah, like you'd be willing to believe in this guy and follow him and then the crowd started cheering and he was gone. Right. So it was like yeah. a very intense experience for people who were witnessing that titus brings michael to an apartment and he says he'll take care of rent they'll stay together and he's like look it's got two bedrooms all right so whatever right because they had that earlier thing uh and they're watching on the tv they see the mask of enigma and they're like he's becoming a hero just like in the comic and titus says he never got to become a hero in the comic that was going to happen in part four and michael says well maybe this is part four right now it's happening in the real world and they've got like he's put together this board like it's like the charlie day or whatever yeah. always sunny with all the newspaper clippings of it's all a mood the board mood board or whatever to try to like piece together the clues and all this kind of stuff of what's happening here we cut over to envelope girl again this time she's got this judge that she takes and she swallows him up in her dress and then he ends up in the swamplands of Louisiana, right? But then the next day he's back in Pacific City searching for Envelope Girl. So like she transports them and then they want to come back to her and they'll travel from wherever to find her. So he's all disheveled and everything, but he doesn't care because he's just trying to find her again. He's still in his robe from when she abducted him and all this stuff. And we see there's a bunch of people out seeking her. She's like cultivating like an army or something, right? All captivated by her strong manila arms, her lovely gumminess, the heavy allure of her zip code, all desperate to be thoroughly wrapped up in her again and sent who knows where. And I love this bottom panel. Like she's (laughs) licking the envelope, but then in the background, Enigma is watching her. I love that. That is so cool. And But then we see Enigma. He goes back to his place and he's just like there. See the wallpaper of his apartment looks like those eyes that we saw earlier? Oh, you're right. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And he's like thinking, is he it's failing? Skellington here. The, yeah, there's this weird skeleton. It's been there since like in every single scene. It's yeah. always like sitting in a chair or something yeah. weird like that. Like on a welcome mat. Yeah, there is a welcome mat there. And so... I guess the Enigma is wondering, like, is he failing? Possibly it's too soon. Maybe he isn't taking it seriously enough. The Interior League? Tonight the people will be afraid. They will call for him. He will answer soon. When he kills Envelope Girl, will the public turn against him? Because now she's a, she's amassed all these people who are worshipping her. The lizard, a rather charming little fellow with green spots and dancing eyes, is pulled by a force greater than it could know. And crueler. So the lizard walks up right into his mouth and then he bites it. Um, So I thought this was, like, weird imagery. Like, what is happening here? Is this, like, symbolic? Because he's been in this apartment where he can't really do anything. I guess he came out and got the truth, but that was with Michael's assistance. He hasn't really taken on Envelope Girl, but then once he does this, he comes back, kind of. I don't know. I thought, is this, like, a turning point with this? I don't really know what that means, but we haven't read the whole thing. I I think that's something interesting we haven't talked about yet. None. Did you read the whole thing, Aubrey? I did not. Did you read the whole thing? No. So none of us have read the whole thing. Yeah. Um, we're all just taking this in up to the four issues, and we don't know the rest of the how the rest of this is going to play out. So I think this is kind of interesting too. Like, I don't know if we've ever done this on the show where we haven't actually. None of us have, none read, of us this, have read, yeah. read the thing all the way through. I honestly don't know what. Usually, is at least happen. one of us knows what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Back at the house with Titus and Michael, they're looking at all this stuff. Um, they've been examining the clues all night, and Michael's just staring at it, trying to find a pattern. 
now it's a Charlie Day scenario. There you go, right, right yeah. Right. Freaking out over it. They're watching the TV and they're seeing more about the Interior League and why is an enigma stopping them. Michael tries to imagine what it would be like not to exist but can't. Though most other people find it very easy to imagine Michael not existing. I Chase. love that line. <laughs> and so he's looking through all the Enigma comics and in there he finds a gay magazine with this guy. He's in like a bondage suit or whatever and he's like, he hates the way the skin around his balls tightens, it says. And he like throws the mag away and he, magazine away and he says, traitors, he hisses. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. No, like, that's, this is what I can't get over of like, People be taking that shit so personally. Yeah. Traitor. I think when he's saying traitors, he's referring to his, his own testicles. Because Oh, uh, the testicles of the traitors. Because, okay. Yes. Because like he was I thought he was referring he to had like, a, the guys in the magazine. He had a reaction yes. to yeah. it. But I think you I think balls you could you He's you, thinking you his see, own mind is the yeah. traitor because his his balls reacted and his balls are the traitors. Right, yeah. Okay, I didn't read it that he way. He had That's a reaction from that and I he didn't was, like that. Right. I thought he was reacting know? to like the guys in the mat, like right. in general, who are gay, which I think is another thing that, like, I've heard that before of, like, ah, oh, you're a traitor to straight people being gay like that, which is oh, like, right. what are you talking about? Not everything has to do with you. But also, yeah, thinking of your own testicles as traitors is much funnier. Right. Thank you, Aubrey. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, uh, yeah, the writing in this is great. It says, he closes his eyes. So he falls asleep. It says, he closes his eyes. Sleep creeps up on him like a nephew's birthday. Helium balloons inside his senses. Fingers face. A strange girl. That's what it said earlier when he saw Enigma. And here he wakes up and he finds Enigma staying over him in the same outfit from that magazine. We're in the outfit. Right. Yeah. Very beautiful panel, too. That's yeah. Really, yeah. That's yeah. really cool. That's lovely. And so he's like, oh, my God. He wakes up and he's like, what is the truth? So he goes out and he goes to a gay bar. So as Which he's is, in there, yeah. I've been thinking about it, and it's like, are your balls the traitors, or are you the traitors to your balls? There you go, yeah. Because you're like, <laughs> oh, well, your immediate reaction is like, hmm, okay. Yeah. But then you're like, no. No, yeah. So maybe you're the traitor. Don't be you're, traitors to your balls. Don't be traitors to your own balls. <laughs> don't do that. You're the betrayer. So in the bar, you know, he has this whole experience there. Someone pinches his butt. By the like, way, if someone <laughs> pinches your butt in a bar, it doesn't matter what kind of bar you're in. That's no good. Right. Tell the bartender. That's not good. He no. can't. He, he can't even pee in there, right? So like he he locks himself in a stall. In the stall, locked in his own private world, listening to the toilets mumbling outside, loathes to run that gauntlet again to discover what lies outside there and inside here. So what is he afraid of? And he peeks out of the of the thing, like he's afraid to come out of the stall. I just thought that, that was interesting. I can just. Yeah. I just gotta say yeah. that. People generally trying to enjoy themselves at a bar do not need one weird, paranoid <laughs> fucking mess. Especially taking up a stall, freaking too. out, yeah, taking out up a stall. Like, a go home. You don't belong in there. That's not for you to go like fill your curiosities and like gawk at the gay people. Right. Like, just go home. They're that's like one of their only. There may be one refuge in their life that they have to go and just be themselves and hang out with other people. And like you're just in there being weird and <laughs> ruining their night. Like, get out of it. So the next day he's talking with Titus again. And Titus is like, you sound a little different today. Oh, and where were you last night? You didn't I, you weren't in when I got home. He's like, uh, well, to tell you the truth. I don't know what's happening to me, Michael says. And Titus says that he's been thinking about all this, and he's starting to think that Michael's just making all this up. When he says he thinks he, he's making it up, I think he's like referring to like all this stuff is happening because of Michael. Right, not, he doesn't... Not like Michael's yes. making it up. I got the impression, <laughs> oh, too, right. that he wasn't accusing him of being dishonest about what's happening to him. I think I agree with it's Aubrey. It's coming I from think his that it's, mind. That yeah. he's actually literally 
it's happening because of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. We cut over to Sandra, and Michael's breaking up with her. Right, he's moving out. He's getting all his stuff. She's like, "Have you gone mad?" And he goes, "Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely have." And she's like, "And you're moving in with this?" And he's like, "His mm, name's mm, Titus mm. Bird, and yes, he is a homosexual." But that I just thought that that was hilarious that they have to say that. Well, I like that she, she, he cut her off from saying something yeah. truly vile, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and then obviously Titus was like, "No, I don't want any yeah, of this. I'm, like, out. Oh, I'm out of here." Yeah. He's like, "Look, we're staying together because we're linked." He wrote Enigma, and in some way, I'm bringing Enigma to life. Beg your pardon. He's like, it's difficult to explain, but the basic idea is that Enigma and all this other stuff around him is being created by me, a projection of something inside my head. And then he says this weird thing about poltergeist, which I had never heard before. Mm, I've is never that heard like of an that. Thing? I don't, I don't think don't we need to go into it. Anyway, that was that was a weird thing, but I, I just think that's also comes with the '90s element of this. Um, so I just I forgive it anyway. And she's like, "Are you on drugs?" And he goes, "I'm actually coming off a drug, man." And his yeah. name was Michael Smith. Yeah, Which maybe we'll meet up fucking... when this is all over. And she's like, <laughs> no, you can't do this. What about us? I love you, Michael. And he says, I don't think you love me, Sandra. I think you just hate the idea of me not loving you. What an ugly thing to say to a person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then later he's like, oh, Jesus, I'm glad that's over. Um, he's packing all his stuff into Titus's car. And just then one of these enigmatics shows up. And Wait a minute. Something bad's about to happen here, says the narration. Yes, The narration exactly, yes. says this. Oh, no. And, and something is bad is about to happen because... The guy's like, hey, are you Titus? And he's like, no. He goes, oh, yes, you are. And he's like, mm, no. But then he's like, yeah, you are. But he pulls a gun on him. Yeah. And so then yeah. he's like, oh, okay, I didn't mean it. I, I, you can have... All the money that I've got, I'll give you money. Right. Just please don't hurt me, etc. And then he goes, and then what? And then something terrible happens, and when we reveal what it was, the dude like blew his head off. Yeah, he shot himself. He killed himself. So um, we thought he was going to shoot Titus, but he didn't. After they call for an ambulance, Sandra's like, you guys got to come in and see this. And on the news report, all the enigmatics have done this, right? They've all killed themselves. Well, it's uh, at least 300 of them. Right, yeah. So there's they're talking about in the news... That there's all this like stuff in there that the now the police are looking for Titus Bird, but in a bizarre twist, Charles Manson came on TV and said Titus Bird is a, it didn't have anything to do with it or whatever, and so he's like, great, Charles Manson is on my side. Things are really looking up, <laughs> and so they're like, you should turn yourself into the police, and he's like, and then what? Mm. And then they're like, they'll ask you a few questions, and he's like, no, that's what the kids said. He said, and then what? And he's like, do we have a copy of episode three? So then we go and we see episode three, and I love this because we actually see the, in the, style the old of the school comic, of the yeah. comics, yeah. right? So this guy is like, uh, he's talking to Enigma. The Enigma he, followed the Duncan rich cat. Duncan had to kind of reel it yeah. in a little bit here, didn't he? Yeah, it's got a real like 70s vibe right. to it, too. So Enigma's talking to this guy that's rich or whatever on the roof of a factory, and he's like, this will impress you in a year or two. I'll be the owner of all this. And the Enigma's like, and then what? And then I'll be on top of a tree pointing some heavy dough and I'll have a few nightclubs and all these hot chicks. And he's like, and then what? And then I'll buy a ranch and have racehorses and send the kids to college. And then what? And then I guess I'll retire and you take it easy. And, and he's, he just keeps asking him, and then what? And then what? And he's like, oh, shit, I don't know. You know what impresses me about you, Enigma says? Your ability to be as pathetic as you are and not want to kill yourself. If I were you, I'd have to kill myself. Jeez. So... Titus is reading this, and he sees what he wrote, and he realizes what is happening. And so, like, he smashes the comic through the table. 
And he grabs a piece of the glass and he's like, maybe I should slip my own throat with this. He's like, I wrote a damn comic for laughs and now all these kids are dead because of me. You know, but Michael says it's not because of you, it's because of them. You know, they were obsessed with all this stuff. Yeah. Then he grabs Michael and he says, you're making this happen. It's coming out of your head. Maybe I should kill you and it'll stop. And then he catches himself in this moment with the glass and everything. And so he just stops. He's Um, having a hard time. Yeah. And he says that he's going to, Go out and get drunk and get laid. And Michael says, and then what? And he goes, look. Search I'm, me. Search I'm, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's where that's where we end issue four. We're halfway through this book. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on this so far? It's, um, it's very weird. It catches my attention simply because it's so out of the box and against the yeah, grain. Yeah. It's just very, nothing about it really, there are a lot of tropes going on, but it's also nothing about it is really stops there. It it keeps going. They're like, ah, you thought it was going to be a trope, but now it's this yeah, other thing. Yeah. And then they play a lot with that. It's just very like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what to make of it. There's a lot of starting and stopping, but then it's actually not stopping. It's actually continuing, and then it's... Yeah. So there's a lot of... I don't think yeah. I'll be able to really know what I think or feel about it until it's done, which is, I think, it's it's it says something about the work itself, where it's like, look, I'm four issues into this, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know yet. And I'm then still, what? Yeah. But I, I'm obviously going to keep reading it, because yeah. it's so intriguing, and so it's just something and, and, that... And that's the thing, too, is, like, I feel like it's so intriguing, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you want to keep reading it, because yeah. you're like, I gotta make some sense of this. <laughs> like, I gotta... Under- and I felt like, as I was reading the four issues, I was getting that. I was having questions, and then I felt like they were being answered, kind of. Yeah. But then more questions, but then those are kind of being answered, kind of. And it's like, it's pulling me along But then that's what the, the story. story is about, yes. is about a story that does that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, it's so weird. <laughs> all right. What about you, Aubrey? Uh, when it first started, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, yeah. And then by the time we get to the end of issue four, I'm like, okay, I think I'm getting a handle on this. And going through it again, I'm just like, eh, it's it's really fascinating. It's very well written. I mean, like, um, I mean, I've read some of Peter Milligan's stuff before, yeah. and uh, I enjoy his work. And Duncan Forgato, his art is just, it's crazy and wild. And it's like this weird, fun, just trippy. Yeah. Comic. And the designs is like some of the characters like the head and the truth and yeah it's just it's weird it's wacky it's out there but it's also just like kind of just fun and deep and just yeah like also kind of 90s <laughs> yeah, yeah it is really 90s the, the existential questioning and all this kind of you know heady concept stuff i feel like yes that's kind of almost ahead of its time it, it is very 90s yeah. but it's almost ahead of its time i think the way that it's presented in this book right it's almost um, it's almost like it could have been like if this was animated it'd been on like liquid television or something like that yeah i could see it in that kind of version well in the end of the forward here one of the scariest of those characters is the truth the creature who forces you to ask those difficult uncomfortable questions i think it's appropriate that the last words of this introduction should be his and then what? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like all of that. Um, it was really good. I mean, I I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm glad that um, I bought the nice hardcover version because um, I was able to read it in that Which format. Which came out last year. Yeah, yeah. This is re- this is recent. So you um, can see the cover. The art on the cover is very it's, different style. It's, it's very. It's a lot cleaner. It's yeah. a lot tighter. Yeah. Um, but it's beautiful though. It's gorgeous. And, yes. Uh, yeah. And and yeah, this definitive edition is awesome. Um, one thing that I noticed, because Aubrey and I were trying to figure out how many issues there are of this, 
Um, it looks like this has a ton of supplementary material really? in the back. Okay. I have any, like almost like a third of the book looks like it's oh, like extra wow. stuff. So I think we'll have a lot to talk about um, yeah. on the next episode and uh, maybe on future episodes as well. So excellent. I'm so glad you guys like this and I, I hope um, listeners can give us their input. I hope you guys are picking up this book and checking it out along with us. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, because it's, it's definitely, I think it's on a, a caliber that it, it's definitely worth recognition. Um, and I'm glad that I'm able to finally come around to it. There's always a list of books that I'm like, man, I've never read that, but I've always wanted to. Right. You know what I mean? This has yeah. definitely been on that list <clears throat> for Well, a, hey, it's a book a club. Time. It's your yeah. excuse to check that out. So, excellent. I thought it was the right time to do it, too. Yeah. So, I think that that all lined up. Yeah. Um, and so, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I'm excited to finish this off, and we can all talk about what we thought about it. I think it's so <laughs> funny that none of us have read it. So, excellent. All right. And now, Aubrey's going to say all the things. Let's do it. All right, everybody. That was the first four issues of Enigma. I hope you guys have read it or are enjoying it for the first time. And I want to hear your thoughts. And it's a hey, you damn guys at bookclubmembercomics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bookclubmembercomics and on Twitter at bookclubmembers. As always, you can always find all of our information on our Podbean website, our Facebook About section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to uh, Paul from Gatahan for the listener theme song. Thank you. Our music is by Only Beast. Our logo is by Ross Radke and Matt Struckbein. Yes, thank you guys. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And while you're there, open it up and give us a give us that five star app review. And if you're enjoying it, tell a friend. You know, because uh, everybody every little bit helps. We want everybody to be part of the book club. Yes, do it. Next week we're finishing off Enigma, so come on back and we'll. Uh, you know, I'm really curious to see how this story ends because yes. this is really fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you know what to do. Put out them digitals, floppies. Get the definitive hardback graphic novel edition and join us next week on Book Club Member Comics. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm a little lizard floating through the air. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, cars are among the greatest cause of premature death of lizards in Arizona. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> Don't do it. That is so weird. Yes. Oh,